You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Dominic D'Angelo of, well, geez, where am I from? Inside the Ropes, ad-free shows, you name it. But I am here today on the Premier Streaming Network with none other than Rob Van Dam for his very own show. It is one of a kind, appropriately named for an appropriate W Hall of Famer, all-around good guy. Rob, how are you, man? Good. It's our show, Dom. Our show. Thank you, Rob. Jeez. <laughs> Warms my heart. You know, I was thinking of rebranding it, and I want your opinion on it. Um, I don't like it. I was thinking the Polish Prince podcast. What do you think? Um, let me chew on that one. Sheik made a lot of money off of Igor. That's right. <laughs> I mean, maybe you we could like, do like an April Fool's episode would be perfect for that. We just completely changed the frame, just named you the Polish Prince underneath your name, everything. Go the whole route. Wrestled there as that at least one time for the Sheik, and I hated it. And mm-hmm. Sabu, when Sabu first got named Sabu, he was Sabu the Elephant Boy, and he right, hated yeah. he hated the Elephant Boy part. He wanted to drop that, and I hated that he wanted to call me the Polish Prince, you know. And he was he's like, you know how much money I made off of Igor. And I guess he was a heel that was Polish back in the '60s, but um, I wasn't real proud of my heritage you know i don't even know if they if people even know nowadays but growing up polish jokes was like all the rage they it were mad you know how many polacks does it take to screw in a fucking light bulb and it was I grew up on on, on on polish jokes and uh i don't really don't know if that's a thing because i haven't heard about it for 40 years so <laughs> right it's been forever <laughs> it might not be a thing anymore i don't know maybe that was i don't know maybe it died out like because it was 30 years after World War II, and it took that long. I don't know. I don't know. I remember asking my dad, like, why did Polish people get made fun of? And, and he just said, well, just because they didn't fight back. And they took it. You know, I was like, oh. So we're not, like, dumber than other people or anything? Like, I don't know. You know, like. As a kid, you would think, like, that's like, hey, maybe I am dumber. Like, yeah, so I, I was thinking, no, no, Sheik, don't call me the Polish Prince. I want to. I want to be known as a as a good looking baby face, you know. I want the girls to like me. Look, I got dimples. <laughs> Don't call me that. Now, was he did when he labeled you as the Polish prince? Was that going to be a baby face gimmick or a heel gimmick? Like, oh, heel. Um, you know, I don't really know. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I just assume I was always 
going to be a baby face, especially because of who I was working with. Um, you know, we had a really small little crew of Dango and Sabu and maybe Judge Dredd and Todd. Um, don't know. Hmm. Like, like I, you know, at that, at that point, like for the first two years of my career, it was all about just get ring time. It don't matter what they call you, what they do with you. Don't worry about none of that. Just get experience. And that's, that's what I was taught. So, you know, you could have called me Joe Blow. I would have put the boots on and showed up. There you go. Hey, it's all ties in, too, because the reason I brought up Polish Prince is that Rob was on Nash and Friends with Kevin Nash and Sean Oliver uh, this yesterday as we record this. Uh, and so got to interact with some of the click this members that, that sign up and then interact with Kev and answer some questions. Rob, it was pretty cool. You got to give some advice on how to, you know, kind of what would be good for pain and everything like that. And uh, it seemed like it was a pretty good time. I had a fun just sitting there. Yeah, no, I did too. I enjoy their show and it's, you know, conversational like this. And, uh, and, and I might have a couple of different views. So I usually do. <laughs> right. Usually have a different perspective, but yeah, like a couple of times, like they were talking about, um, Kevin was talking about unions, you know, I didn't open my mouth too much there, but when it came to talking about the wrestlers and being an employee versus an independent contractor, like I said, I stand on the other side of the fence where there's an unpopular group <laughs> um, versus everybody else, the masses, because I like being an independent contractor. And um, a lot of fans don't understand that. I said on his podcast, people will put words in my mouth. You know, I'll be doing an interview and they'll say, you know, it's not right how they treat you guys like employees, but then, you know, they don't, you know, give you insurance. And it's like, dude, I'm good. Don't be trying to fight my battles. I'm good. You know, if you, if you need insurance, you want that part of your deal, you just put that in your contract. If you want a bus, Put that in there. I mean, I was so surprised last time I went to WWE. I guess it was that run, that 2014 run mm -hmm. and the 13. But it was like so many of the guys had buses that didn't have them before. And I was like, wow, that's a deal. Somebody, like one guy, Big Show had one before. Maybe Cena had mm -hmm. one. Now all of a sudden, you know, all these dudes are, um, you know, and it's like, guess what? As an independent contractor, you're making your own deal. And then... The, the what I always ask in case somebody didn't hear it and they're interested in this conversation, I always ask this and I always get the same answer. Would you rather make X amount of money and I'll cover your insurance or would you rather have X, X amount of money and you go ahead and find your own insurance? And everybody always answers that the same way. So I think that they haven't really thought it through when they just jump on the side and say wrestlers are treated poorly. I'm going to. I'm going to go with what he said. They all got CTE. Give them money, you know. Yeah, no, it's a, it, like if you think about the logistics of it all when you're uh, like an active wrestler and you're in the business, it's like, you know, the independent contractor thing makes a lot of sense. And then the execution of like having a wrestling union would be tougher to do and not fair to everybody in the grand scheme of it all. Like, well, that's it. it. What would the boundaries be? You know what I mean? Right. Are you trust? I remember having this uh, way back on RVD radio, like 2008 or something. I was talking to Booker T about it. And I was like, book, because he was pro union. And I'm saying, okay, but are you saying all wrestling? Like the mom and pops flea market wrestling that has two shows a year. Do they have to have insurance? He's like, no, not them. Well, then who? If you just mean Vince and say it. If you just say WWE, 
because there wasn't anything else. I mean, there was, mm-hmm. there was TNA, and then it's like, okay, WWE and TNA, is, is that it? Or should all wrestling that's on television ha- have it? Because that, that's an argument. It's People are always confused, and rightfully so, on why wrestling isn't uh, SAG or AFTRA. And uh, I couldn't believe somebody that, that I knew really well recently thought that we were. You know, they're like, you guys oh. aren't. How are you guys not SAG? And I'm like, we never have been. They say it's because it's a uh, it's a live show that's on the road, and that's what keeps it from being in the uh, category of just like a, a regular weekly soap opera sitcom uh, TV show. And that's what I've always been told. But that that I could see looking into the you know, but you know, as far as just putting a union or or any specifications, any specific mandatory um you know requirements then who what all wrestling companies what what where does the company meet the qualifications to need this you know if it's just wwe then say you think vince should insure his wrestlers and and then then you know that's a whole different argument yeah yeah and i I know too it's like Hey, if uh, wrestlers were SAG right now, nobody would be working because because of, of the strike and all that stuff too. And so exactly. That's right true. now, you're you're an active gainful. You're making gainful employment at the mo- at the moment. You know, if you're in WWE or if you're anywhere else for that matter. But um, yep. and then like I re- we talked about Terry Funk last week and honored him and like his specific reason to go into acting was so he could get uh, insurance for union and like. You know, so he just did that, did some Roadhouse, did, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Paradise Alley and all that stuff. Yeah, it's not that easy, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, Luke Hawk, the uh, Luke Hawks, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. From Wildcats in New Orleans, he actually introduced Katie and I together. <clears throat> he will forever have that credit. Um, okay. I, I met him on Wrong Side of Town, my starring role um, action movie that I did in 2009, and we were in a fight scene. And he was telling me about all these acting gigs he got. And we were talking specifically about that, about insurance, you know. And at the time, you had to make like $30,000 a year through SAG in order to qualify uh-huh. to have your insurance covered. Otherwise, there was insurance packages that you could pay for, you know, um, if you were under a lower um, tier of it. Yeah, thank you. And, and he was like... Dude, like, if I can get it, I know you can get it, man. It's easy. That's not that much work. It's not that easy. You know, Luke's a hell of an actor, and uh, he was being humble uh, because I'm a big wrestling star, but that doesn't always translate to you You can get – you should be, get full-time work, you know, in, in the business. And he's been crushing it, you know. Mm-hmm. He has his Wolverine and heels, and I don't know. I think that – he just does, like, so many cool parts, but I uh, see him – see him all the time and you know he was just in up. young rock as stone cold too i believe wasn't yeah he? yeah he was he, and he nailed it he <laughs> stone cold better that. than stone cold does stone cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you couldn't have got a better i don't think a better guy to play him you awesome. know they should do it should almost be like soap opera like where like um you know if a, a actor leaves the show but they just replace him with another actor yeah <laughs> had luke cox come in as a new stone cold like they did with NWO. Right, like the Razor and Diesel. Right, with Razor Ramon and uh and Diesel. Nash, and Nash, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did. Gosh, who would pick up your mantle, Rob? <laughs> hmm. Oh, I don't know. There's a girl in NXT that I just saw today 
on Twitter. You you know what I'm talking about? Yes, Kalani you know Jordan. I have this picture right here. Boom! Look at that! Wow! Nailed it! Nailed it! And then uh, that's amazing, and, and, yeah. and she looks awesome. And um, and then right under that, I see her doing my step over kick when she catches the foot and does a step over kick, which is an RVD move. So uh, I guess I have a, uh, a pretty little protege there. How about that, huh? We'll, we'll, we'll change it up. We'll change it up when uh, she can play RVD. We'll do there like they go. do in movies, like when we have a, a black um, head of shield now, you know, even yeah. though it wasn't We're doing that. We're keeping like it real. <laughs> you got you to gotta suggest uh, your, your airbrush guy. Yeah. Hey, and then I wear a smaller outfit, less to brush. There you go. There you go. Less to paint. I, I like it. <laughs> well, sweet, Rob. Yeah, we got some uh, feedback, some fun feedback this week in, in certain roundabout ways. This is a funny one I put, put up. Uh, Evelyn, I don't, I'm not even going to try that one. RVD is really one of a kind for surviving a podcast while eating mixed nuts. <laughs> Most dangerous spot since jumping on the top rope to Bam Bam in the audience. So. They got to survive. Yeah, I felt like pointing that out because, like, I normally don't munch. So I was like, well, here I am, and it looks like I'm, like, snacking on TV. Maybe I should explain this in case anybody's paying too close of attention. Because normally I don't. Normally I don't. I eat a meal. A few hours later, I dry scoop a couple of protein shots. A little while later, I eat another meal. That's usually just what I do throughout the day. Graze. Like, the healthy grazing, I'd like that. felt like explaining uh, – the uh, the nuts, but um, one one thing a nuts will last me six months, but sometimes I do that. Yeah, once in a while. It, it was funny too. Somebody wanted you or hoping that you explained yourself to the young bucks backstage. I saw on Twitter, and you were like, "Nah, it's like just a couple of dumb fuck marks." <laughs> like only think that that's gonna be the case. It's like yeah, that kind of little rinky dink stuff doesn't matter. To that, that's yeah. In case you don't know, that's everybody jumping on the comment that I, uh, the hilarious, by the way, comment that I made about uh, all petite wrestling uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Which is actually a typo. Um, I can't remember what the typo was, but it was it was in the sentence. It wasn't in that word. Was it like but, a bone appetite instead of something? Something like a. Um, I, I I I meant to call them like guys, and I called them. Tarts or something, something really, really weird. I didn't notice until I hit send. I was like, God darn it. If only this was edit it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, dude, nobody gives a fuck. Everyone was like, oh, this didn't age well, like bringing that back. Like, right. can we cancel RVD for this? Yes, we finally found something that's cancelable. We can cancel RVD. No, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody. Up the wrestling it was uh, hilarious. Yeah, I don't regret and then they handled it well too. They they just leaned into it basically, you know what I mean? So nobody cares. Nobody it cares. Funny. It was funny. It was funny. Uh so somebody said, not gonna lie, Terry's passing got me misty eyed, especially reading a lot of the tributes from his fellow wrestlers that he touched. Been binge watching a lot of his promos and matches lately. Sad to lose the true legend, though he lived a full life for sure. That he did. Um Rob, have you ever seen him? That promo he cut on Shotgun Saturday Night, where he's like just calling uh, Todd Pettengill's mother a whore, and like Stone Cold's on commentary, and he calls out Stone. It's just chaos, but it's so fun. It's like in the ring promo. In the ring promo, like so, it's like in this like 
I don't even know where it's located. I think it's somewhere. Maybe it was like in a bar in Texas or something. Sure, like somewhere. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. It's gotta be somewhere. It's gotta be somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like mass chaos. He gets into the crowd. Austin comes through. They brawl it out. Terry just falls out of the ring. It's it's some golden stuff. It's like right in the thick of the attitude era. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? What I remember was um, when he was in ECW, and I was pretty new. It seems like you know, first year or two anyway. There and uh, still making a name for myself. I felt like I was still proving myself. But I remember. But also, most of my career felt like that, by the way, that I was still trying to prove myself until all of a sudden, like, boom, I'm done. What? <laughs> um, I remember him doing the moonsault off the ladder. I think it was a ladder match with Sandman, if I'm not mistaken. And I just remember at the time it was such a big deal. I don't remember if he was 50 or 55. And it was just like, whoa, my God, you know, a 50-year-old doing a moonsault. That's so crazy. Like, why Why would a 50-year-old need to do a moonsault? That was, oh, my God. And and, uh, and and now it's, you know, now that I'm 52, you know, it's just like, I, you know, there's not too many moves I don't want to do. Everyone wants to see a Van Terminator every night, but I've always been uh, protective of that. <laughs> In yeah. WWE, they used to want to see that every night. And I'd be like, nah, that's that's what makes it special is when I pull it out, you know, and if I, was, if I wasn't going over, they'd want me to miss it. And I was always like, nah, but anyway, to, to, to the point though, like, um, you know, there's, I, I would still do like pretty much everything that <laughs> all my moves that I've done and if, but 50, but now, I mean, we're aging differently now. Anyway, that's what people don't realize. You know, they gotta, right. we gotta upgrade uh, how, just like we had to upgrade the uh, the showers because people are taller now than they used to be. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, same, same. Jeez. And, like, no, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, you're able to do the moonsault kind of stuff. And, like, you look at somebody like Dustin Rhodes, he does, like, the Canadian Destroyer. It's just, like, a little bit of, like, uh, you know, be, uh, yeah, the – it sounds funny to me now. It sounds funny to me now that people add in fifty years old, like it sounds like it's separate from the rest of society. You know? <laughs> You're a fifty year old. Fifty year old RVD has a wrestling match. You, know? you go over here, Rob. All everybody else did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I guess I guess it works in my advantage if I ever like lost a fight and be like, dude, you beat up a fifty two year old man. Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> I sure don't feel the vulnerability yet as much as uh, people want to believe that I that I that I'm entitled to it. Right. <laughs> Another funny comment here we had. Um Starship Mythic says, Dominic, can I have Robert's phone number? This was in reference to me talking about having Terry Fugg's phone number, and you're like, Don't you ever give out my phone number? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so uh cool. And then somebody said this. Uh I don't I would be up for like being the observer of this, but we'll see here. Uh, Lapita Lavitio says, "I think you guys should do a table for three type show where wrestlers smoke <laughs> and call it wrestling buds." So, I mean, that, you can do that. Has that not been done? I don't think so. Um, I be. probably wouldn't partake because I would definitely think I would get paranoid and freak out. Yeah, probably not for you. It's not for probably everybody. Not. It'd be yeah. it'd be for the ones that that like to smoke and they would only smoke. The amount they like to smoke, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I know people all the time. They will smoke with me um, often, but each time they only hit it one time and they're done. You know, <laughs> that's but, what I would do. 
That's what I. Yeah, would. a lot of people. That's that's it, and the, and they know there's they know that. But you know, this reminds me of um, when I did RVD TV, friends in high places. We'd sit oh. around. Yeah, kind of. So talk about that with national friends. Yeah. We're yeah, just- yeah. But it wasn't always wrestlers. It was whoever, whoever, yeah. whoever could be labeled as a celebrity, prospectively from from whatever uh, perspective. I'd throw them on there and talk about stupid shit that nobody cared about but me. <laughs> but I had the warrior on there, me and the warrior, Chris Lewinsky, one time talking about the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, because your, your mind is like so strong, you know, and your thoughts dictate your vibration that dictates your life. And uh, that was a good a good couple of guys to have that conversation with because warrior could go out there with me and Chris Lewinsky. He's he's the master of the brain. He studies the brain. He holds it in his hands and breaks it open and looks the side of it and shit, you know? So, yeah. so that, I, I did enjoy that more than, more than maybe, you know, some of the times when I would get a bunch of guys around that are a bunch of tough guys. And then I'd say, um, what are we really afraid of? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you call me here for this. <laughs> they, they don't want to put their vulnerability in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, so you had warrior and Chris Nowinski on at the same time then. Yeah, yeah, to talk about the power of the mind. How about that? How about that? Manifestation or right. however you take that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Chris does a lot too now. You see, he goes and does the, you know, meetups at WWE. They'll have him there to make appearances and talk about. He's you know, awesome. He's yeah. my hero. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's the one that made the correlation, you know, between wrestlers and a CTE after it was well established that that's what was happening to football players. And it answered a lot of uh, questions and, you know, made us understand things from a whole different perspective. Yeah. I always just thought getting knocked silly was uh, just part of the job. You know, I never knew there could be long-term brain damage associated with it, you know? Yeah. Right. No, who would, like, you didn't think about that stuff at all back then at all. And, oh. and, uh, and by the way, in, um, in Headstrong and other places, you know, I've, I've claimed that I've uh, I've come up with a number of like 500 concussions that, that I've said I've had. Um, that that number was questioned recently by so, someone uh, online, and I will say um, none of those were diagnosed by a doctor except for I think two of them. So for me, um, that was because after talking to Chris Nowinski, he was saying anytime that you that you're rocked. And I'm not 100% sure that this is fact, but he was saying anytime that you're rocked, that your perception's off, whether whether you just feel loopy or things are spinning for a second or you're seeing floaters even maybe from or um, slow motion, sometimes sound goes out. There's all these different things that, that could happen and that have with me different times that I've hit my head. And uh, Chris said, anytime something like that happens, he said, just go ahead and assume that it's a uh, that it is a that it's a concussion, a minor one, but so th- th- those were the standards that I've used. Um, I've had them happen, you know, like uh, every match for for weeks and weeks. It seems like wrestling, like with Balls Mahoney, and uh, and so you know, if uh, if somebody really wanted to press that, there's only been like maybe two times that a doctor diagnosed me with that, you know, so. Yeah. All the fans that somehow think that my brain is a, a marshmallow now, I don't know if they're watching this show, but I'm fairly coherent. So one of us is wrong. 
And like on National Friends too, you're recalling back when like you were in WCW and your name and dates and certain things like that coming in there. It's like no, I don't question it. It's just the fans yeah. are they're silly. Like fans, I said, but like it's that that aspect of it all. Yeah, we're just. Like, I knew that when I, but I also knew when I did the movie Headstrong, it was like wow. I mean, I'm really gonna show my. I'm pulling my pants down in front of everybody here, you know. And I don't know if I want to be that vulnerable because uh, I'm a superhero, you know, but. Um, eventually I decided to tell the story because it took over part of my life for a while, having this double vision. And I had to see the, um, you know, the specialists and the, the neurologists and the uh, vision rehab and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and so then it was like, you know, I, I'm going to tell that story, even though people are going to all, and I knew I was like, the last thing I want is people coming up to me saying, are you okay, Rob? Are you feeling better? Because I've always hated that. I just always, yeah. hate, always, it's always bothered me. Um, feel better. No, I'm going to die. You know, like I've, <laughs> I've, I've always hated being seen in that vulnerable light. But um, I decided to, to, to do the movie. I thought we did a great job editing it. And I thought maybe, you know, fuck it. It could help people. And, and it really did. You know, the feedback right away from people telling me, that just seeing me overcome obstacles and continue marching forward, being the whole effing show, help them get through whatever they were getting through. And, and then, of course, there's the concussion awareness, which, you know, still people are so ignorant on, on, on that. You know, they think that we all have CTE and CTE is degenerative. It's like Alzheimer's. When you have it, it, it gets worse and worse. And it's like we don't all have it. Thank God. A lot of wrestlers think they have it. I've heard wrestlers say, well, you know, we all have it to some degree. They don't even know. So um, what I found out was that it's a new study. You know, I was asking questions when I first got there to the neurologist. And uh, and I went to, you know, a really top expensive one on Headstrong. I showed a different doctor because I didn't have the camera at the clinic. Um, but I got two different doctors to tell me, you know, that my brain looked good. <clears throat> And I put that in the movie, but somehow people miss it. <laughs> it goes, but, um, uh, but, but anyway, they couldn't tell me anything because it's such a new study. You know, like how long is this double vision going to last? I don't know. But you think someday it will go away? Yeah, yeah. Like, could it be like days or could it be years? Yeah, could be. We don't know. Like that's that's how much that's how much info they had. So the whole concussion study and the long term damage is is very new. And like I look at athletes like like Sidney Crosby, the hockey player, he got rocked one time really bad, like several almost ten years ago, and like there was no timetable for his return to come back, and yeah, he yeah. came like and finally he did come back, but there was a lot of questions like is he gonna come back and like will he be the same? He's still like he's still playing hockey right now and like one of the top stars in the league. So and then Adam Cole was another one like he he got at uh, Forbidden Door two years ago or last year, and um, he was out, and they didn't know when he was coming back either. He came back. so. Well, yeah, now they take it seriously. So when you have a concussion, you got to pass uh, all kinds of tests and stuff to, to prove that you're ready when you get back because uh, when you already are concussed and then you don't rest and instead strain your brain and or injure your brain again, then it seems like that's – one of the worst things uh, that, that you can do to prolong the injury and maybe even make it, you know, more, more sufficient. Um, so people report it now, whenever you used to report it. And then um, 
and then they keep they keep up with it. You know, it used to be like just, you know, I would just wait a few seconds till everything came back together. You know, yeah. okay, I'm ready. <laughs> and, and most of those, most of those that I count as concussions for me, most of them were like ten seconds, and then I was fine. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a crazy thing. Like the the brain is so there's so many intricacies to it. It's like yeah. wow, and the, just what you learn about it. You mentioned uh, like opening up and showing your vulnerability and stuff like that in the documentary. Do you think doing that kind of helped you in the grand scheme of like your life and how you live in everyday life about, about vulnerability and certain things like that? Do you think that kind of was like, oh, you know, it's, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was? Or where do you kind of lay out on that? I think that it probably was just as bad as I thought it was because uh -huh. like I, I the half the Internet idiots because of this movie think either that I'm not in wrestling because I have oh. CTE or, or they think, you know, that that had something to do with uh, uh, me not working for WWE anymore or, um, or whatever I'm saying, they just want to say, Oh, it's gibberish. He's not even making any sense because he's high and he's got brain damage. And, and I think, for the most part, it's about as bad as I predicted that it would be. I think I was right about that. But at the same time, I know that it helped a lot of other people. And for me, I feel like it's just consistent with being genuine. I mean, I'm always honest and I'm always open. And this was part of my story. So, boom, there it is. And it did make me better in the fact that, hey, put this on my resume. I made a fucking movie. Me and one guy, um, Joe Clark did everything from the music to, to, to cutting the scenes to filming it to uh, everything, everything, and even sold it to, um, to reels, a TV channel. So, yeah. you know, um, so now, you know, that opens the door for other projects if we want to try and uh, follow up, which of course there's many, many that we talk about, but did it make me better as far as being able to be more vulnerable? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so because I think one-on-one -on -one, personally, I think I'm always that vulnerable because I'm open and I talk yeah. about stuff that I probably shouldn't, that probably should be personal to me or, or whatever. I've always kind of been like that. So now it's just more on a public form format platform, which nah, not necessarily better except for that it helps a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's true too. Like, and you're the type of person that is like, you know, honest and straightforward. So it's like, you already kind of had that wall down in a certain way. So it was like, already came with the territory for you, certainly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I did, Rob, were you a fan of Bob Barker? Like, did you watch Price is Right? I did. I watched, yeah, I watched that growing up. Me too. I was a huge fan. That's like, and he was 99 years old with that. So I, just, I have his autograph picture right there i sent in the mail and he sent me one so i was like holy shit 99 that's awesome 99. how crazy is that man well, and like that's what i was just saying man we're living longer we got to upgrade the whole uh, how we look at ages because uh some of that vernacular <laughs> from a few decades don't work anymore when you're talking about old people they'll still whoop your ass <laughs> right <laughs> don't cross anybody 99 that's great man how old is um william shatner 96 he's up there too i think he i want to say he's early 90s but he's there like man that's awesome that's he awesome. looks great too like if you asked like i would have guessed he was like late 70s maybe or something, just by appearance so, yeah mm -hmm. incredible 
El increíble. Increíble. That is uh, awesome. Yeah, very cool. I get love your dogs, it. Get your dogs neutered. Right? That's right. Keep your pets spayed and neutered, everybody. You know that? Yeah. That's always key to do. That was important to him. That was the one message he wanted me to know every night, every day. Every, every at the end of every show. It doesn't matter who if you won the showcase showdown or you lost it. If you lost at Plinko, he's still going to tell you that. R.I.P. Bob Parker, man. It was important. Mm -hmm. Very important. All right. So, well, we're going to pick up. Well, before we do that, I get. I did want to mention uh, there's the Jungle Boy and J Jack Perry had a little bit of a con conflict behind the scenes, apparently, with CM Punk. And it got me to thinking about, like, you know, how in inundated everybody is with social media and how it gets kind of swerved up and like all this stuff is made aware instantly to a lot of people like it wasn't back in the day and stuff like that i'm just curious rob like when it comes to conflicts backstage you hear about stories in sport too, where people get into arguments and fights and stuff like that like how much of this stuff back in the day wasn't necessarily like really made public in a lot of ways did that happen and you just kind of moved on from it and like everybody coexisted and kind of got along well no i think it it, it happened and it wasn't that big of a deal, you know? I mean, I, I'm i sure people are going to shit on this opinion, but that's what I said when I saw that every single site is picking this up. I said to Katie, I mean, I'm sure it's my old school fundamentals, but I said, I, I don't think this should be that big of a deal. And, and she said, right, they're like both fighters, right? And, uh, and it's like, I mean, that, that that's our world. And it was, I mean... I see like, I mean, like, I, I, I see like it, it, it weigh-ins, you know, when they do the face-off and they take the picture, a lot of times they get too close and they pie face and they start going at it or whatever. And I get like, you got to set some strict rules if you don't want that to happen like every single time. Um, I, I, I get it, you know, with, with that, you know. Um, but with wrestling, it, it's, even, it's even a little bit different because – you know, the competitors don't have the whole um, the whole injury, comma, win or lose, comma, be in the best condition possible to have every advantage possible situation. Wrestlers aren't in that the same way that a fighter is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, I mean, if they let out a little steam every once in a while, I mean, okay, you know, usually, what would happen is the promoter put those two guys in the in the in the ring as soon as possible. That happened every time I can think about it. Um, that's what Paul did with me and Taz. You know, like next week after we got our, our situation at you and Taz, and um, it, it's always been that way. And I always find that it people they work it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, they work it out by working together, and um, so. You know, I, I'm surprised that it's that big of, of, of news. But if you look at it like if it was football or something, then, OK, sure, I guess, you know. But with wrestling, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not something that I guess you should just ignore if you're the boss and you've got millions and millions invested and, and some of it's going to these two players and you need to – do the handle the business end of it to protect your investment. But besides that, um, man, it, it, it just, it, it's, it's not the same thing as the corporate office. It's a wrestling backstage, you know, by the dressing room. So. 
and to what you were saying too it's like wrestling is different than like an mma kind of situation even or boxing where it's like there's that other element of like you're telling a story uh people are you, the competitive nature is in like the creative aspect of it too where you're like you're trying to vibe position and get yourself over and then so are these other wrestlers and they have their own ideas and their own philosophy of how that gun is going to get executed and now like of course you're going to run into kind of that and plus you have that athleticism and the button heads of all the like the sports like nature of it all too so it's right all that testosterone i mean yeah. say what you will about pro wrestling it is a fighting art you know and uh <clears throat> um fuck what was i gonna say about what you just said um creativity um yeah 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 so a lot of times you feel like you're doing somebody a favor if you're in the ring with them and say they beat you you get that perspective i'm just saying mm -hmm. and you can feel underappreciated and you can feel like they really believe in their heart that somehow these finishes are happening a different way because they're so good not really the way that that it's happening by us doing what we're doing for him and sometimes you know there's like that's even behind there after a while you know when you start so yeah there's going to be some uh there's going to be some issues and 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 i to answer your question i think there always have been little scuffles and stuff a lot of them have gotten out now because you know first the shoot interviews and then now with uh social media and, and everything but you know a lot of the stories that no one heard about from way back in the day are happening uh or are, are talked about now, I mean. Right. Like, what you hear is, like, urban legend, you know, for whether, whether it was, like, you mentioned the Andre the Giant story or, you know, certain things. Like, you just hear all these crazy road stories that happened in the back of the day. But, like, how much of that didn't get reported? How much wasn't it? Like, you only had... You, you know, know what? You just talked me into doing an RVDology today. I'm going to do one. I'm going to tell you a story that no one knows about. Well, how about that? All right. Well, cool. Yeah. You know what, too? What I think what we're gonna do, I was gonna continue with Tommy Dreamer this week because we I put a pin in it last week at, after I wanted to because I wanted to get wanted to see the Dory Funk match. If you guys haven't seen that, go back. Uh, the full episode is available up on RVDPod.com. I had to put an overlay over it because of copyright issues, but it's still up there, and you can tune in and uh, see Rob's reaction. It's a fun ass match, man. So uh, take a look at that. Um, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to put a pin in Tommy Dreamer. I'm going to put a pin in the stretcher match because I feel I should watch it before we talk about it. <laughs> so we'll do that. I'll, let's do a couple Ask RVDs, and then we'll go to RVDology. And Sweet. Because mm -hmm. yep. we got StarCast coming up, folks. Yeah. yeah. And I got Cauliflower Alley Club. I got to leave for in uh, like one hour. One hour. So let's get to cooking here. All right. So this was an interesting question. Thank you to uh, Instagram and Wrestling Historian for helping uh, kind of curate some of these. Uh, but here we go. Stone Cold's Mullet asks, when did you first start your comic book shop, RVD Five Star Comics, and do you still own it? See, I'd, Rob, I didn't know you had a comic book shop. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm not exactly sure what year it was. I think uh, it was 2003 or four ish five. Um, this guy, Craig Nobuyuki approached me with the idea. He wanted me to first be a silent investor. And then I was like, why not put my name on it, capitalize 
uh, eventually he got pushed out. I always felt bad for him. Uh, and it wasn't by me, but it was kind of by my, my team, my legal team trying to get a, put all this paperwork on him and stuff and, and, and figure out numbers. And anyway, um, it, it was not a, uh, a successful business venture as far as uh, being any profitable, but had some good times. Uh, I used to have like a wrestler or sometimes a different celebrity uh, there like about every month and do it, do it in store signing. And, uh, and so many wrestlers were cool and, and helped me out, you know, by, by appearing and doing that. And I have a huge list or I'm sorry, I have a, a picture. What do you call it? A collage, a collage, all these pictures of um, all the wrestling, all the guests from my store that were there, that were there. And I mean, if I, I mean, uh, ben, when I was there, I don't know why he's the first guy I think of, but, um, but he, when WrestleMania was in LA, him and Kane and someone else, uh, did appearances there. And it was Trish. Tajiri was the first one, of course, Booker T and, uh, man, so, so many, like, uh, I kind of hurricane, I kind of feel like maybe I should send you a picture of the collage because it'd be hard to name everybody. But anyway, but anyway, it was, I was that I was the worst business owner. I never one time uh, we were in a mall for like a year or so, and then it had an escalating uh, lease. We ended up leaving there, going to a standalone place for like maybe two years, and then uh, closed it down. Like it never made any money. I was funding it the whole time. I never opened the cash register one time when I was there. Trusted everybody, and I had a, a team of amateurs. You know that. Um, some of them took advantage, some were just inexperienced, you know, they, I, I have many times in my life, I had, uh, somebody like this time say, I learned a lot about myself from this experience. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, RVD's five-star comics. I'm surprised you didn't know about that. And, no. uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Man, now you were a big Ghost Rider fan, I know. Uh, was there yeah. anyone when you opened the shop that you kind of got into too? Or was that just like, hey, this is a business aspect of it. I do enjoy comics, but like, did you find yourself more invested in the comics at that point too? From a personal standpoint, not like a... No, I think I had I had like a weekly pull, you know. I don't think it really grew very much. Mm -hmm. um, I, You know, I... I don't remember what I was reading. I, I was reading uh, Spider, uh, you know, a few different titles of Spider-Man because they had Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker to the Spectacular Spider-Man, and um, the Hulk had something that I was uh, also reading at that time. Uh, but yeah, Ghost Rider was always my dude, always, always my dude, and um, uh, I stopped collecting. I'm not sure exactly when I stopped collecting. Sometime before uh, leaving California and selling the house and, um, you know, the big split up. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a long time before that, actually, that I stopped collecting, I think. But anyway, um, at that point, though, I got rid of all my collections of statues and toys and everything and just could have, like, I, I just set my old life on fire and uh, is, is what it felt like and, and that's how much I, I didn't care about any of it. I was ready to move on so so bad. It was 
I really just want to just burn the house down with everything in it and just run. But <laughs> just get the uh, hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I came down to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Somebody asks, uh, Yeo asks, you were in the Black Mask too. What was it like working with Scott Atkins and filming those fight scenes? Your character's name was Claw. I looked it up on IMDb. Uh, what was your experience like with that, Rob? Uh, Scott was awesome. He was, uh, you know, really talented. Uh, and uh, also he was he was respectful. There was another guy there that was a, 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 a British dude. What was that guy's name? Can't remember, but those two were um, kind of like, seemed like buddies that hang out a lot together. Man, that guy probably listens to this. He's one of those, one of those uh, fifty-seven listeners we have. That oh, hey, nice. <laughs> I can't Behind remember. Fifty-seven. Can't remember his name right now. Yeah, um, or B one fifty-seven, BPC one fifty-seven. What? That's a peptide. Um, <laughs> it, it was, dude. It was cool. I mean, I was so green, um, inexperienced that 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 my perspective was that of someone that's in a whole new world, wherein. We're in Thailand filming this movie. The screen is written by people that speak uh, French. And then there's like a, um, a Chinese directing crew. And then a different kind of Chinese dialect fighting crew. And so there's a lot of communication issues. Mm -hmm. And the other actors like Tyler Maine and uh, Andrew Bernarski, um, guys that were in my group of monsters, whatever we were, um, they had the experience to feel comfortable and take over and just read the script and make it their part or whatever. For me, I was very confused the whole time. So I remember that. And I might've been talking about this. Uh, I don't know if this is on the show or not, but I was just telling somebody about this. I remember Andrew, Bernarski and I were the only ones that smoked. And even though he almost got his head chopped off to score weed in Thailand, which that's another story. Um, <laughs> we, we would smoke in, in the trailer. Like we all had to dress in this trailer and it was so rude, but like, we didn't give a fuck. And looking back at it, you know, like I wouldn't do that now. Like looking back at it, um, I was just so unaware of how rude that was. And some of the guys, even Scott, like Scott would step outside, you know, uh, he would step outside because we're smoking the trailer up and we're all <laughs> supposed to hang out in there. It's air conditioned and it's hot out. And, uh, and some of the other guys would too. And they'd be like, man, you guys smoke that inside, you know, why can't you go outside? And we would, we wouldn't, we would just be so selfish. We would just be like, no, nah, there's nowhere to sit outside. You know, we just, <laughs> Where are we gonna do yeah. Now, now looking back at it, like that was so rude. But um, I used to just, you know, be stuck on. Um, it's not even toxic, you know. Cigarettes kill one out of two people, and this is, you know. But <laughs> now I realize, you know, people might not want to smell it, you know, or breathe it in. And uh, we did that also on the bus, the double decker bus in Ireland uh, when we wrestled for AWR. Me and Sabu, and there was a, a couple more of us. That were the hoods that would smoke kid cash uh depending on who was on the tour that they would like to smoke and we would be upstairs on this double decker bus and we would just smoke it up and everybody would bitch about it and we were just like so selfish the way i look at it you know because it'd be like 
They'd be like, people go downstairs to the lower deck and they'd say that it was still bothering them. And they'd be like, can't you smoke before you got on the bus? And I'd be like, we did. <laughs> you know, We're continuing. We got enough weed for the whole four hour trip. You know? This is awesome. Don't worry about it. It's not killing you. <laughs> but looking back, sorry guys. I think that was rude and selfish and Andy Bernarski, shame on you. Yeah. How dare he? <laughs> Ken's was awesome though, and he's had a really good career and uh, talented dude. Talented dude, and Tyler Maine, former wrestler too, and uh, he was Sabretooth in the X Men. So yeah, I just saw him. I think it was in Detroit. I think at a comic con of some sorts recently. But we've always uh, remained good friends and kept in touch. Good dude, Tyler. How about that? How about that? Well, cool, Rob. You know what? We got to get out of here pretty early, so let's uh, let's wrap it up. With some okay, yeah. let's do it. So, because it's a shorter show, I had said before, let's um, let's pass on the RVDology so we can get out of here. But you inspired me today to talk, so this is completely off the cuff. But a lot of it always—it's not like I prepare anyway, so whatever. But um, so we're talking about altercations and how often do they happen that nobody knows about that's not reported. I have been collecting a lot of stories from my autobiography and um, I got like 40 stories or so and I know nobody knows about any of them and, and I'm still going by the way but that's what I've collected so far and then there's going to be obvious stories that people want to hear about specific times they remember and stuff so I'm going to fill that in and then uh, I'm going to have this thing typed up. And um, you know, by next year, I'm going to be having this this thing done. That's my that's my goal. This story that I'm going to tell you hasn't been talked about publicly. It's too fucking current. <laughs> this guy that I'm going to talk about, he's out there. Scott Norton. I'm going to tell you a story about Scott Norton. This is going to surprise you because nobody knows about this shit. But. The thing with RVDology is not only applying my values, but I like to share when I learn these values and when they're asserted on a deeper level. And so I want to talk about passivism. Obviously, RVD is a passive guy. Am I too passive? Well, I mean, that's for whoever's judging me to say. But obviously, whatever I'm doing works for me. Um, I take, uh, I eat a lot of shit sometimes. I do believe the nice guy finishes last. Um, is that part of my duty or my obligation because of my nature? Um, well, I feel like, yeah, partially because I've chosen to be passive, thereby it's part of my duty then to take some stuff, deflect what I can, absorb what I can. That's that's part of the deal. See, the opposite of being passive um, is being aggressive. And it doesn't take much aggressiveness to even, even move forward a little inch. They're standing your ground, and then there's aggressively moving forward. And then there's receding, which would be passive. <clears throat> a lot of us throughout life do any of those things at different times. So we have experience with that. Some people are aggressive all the time. Um, 
that would not be correct to call me that. In fact, uh, probably uh, uh, too too passive. Once in a great while, <clears throat> I'll stand up. Like if I feel like at the airport, um, somebody like, dude, you you cut, you closed the door to the gate twelve minutes early. What the fuck? You just gave the last announcement because I fly a lot and I know certain things about that. Katie hates it because she knows I'm usually so passive and so calm that if I just ask somebody something like that, she acts like I was screaming and biting their head off. Because <clears throat> to her, that's that's how that seemed, knowing me. <clears throat> when. Uh, when we're passive, sometimes we reflect back on it and we're like, did I do the right thing? Was I too passive? Like, hey, it might involve swallowing your pride. It might involve looking bad, losing some face, you know? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but in the end, when you got to consider what if, and you think, what if it would have went the other way? What if I would have acted differently? What could have happened then? What kind of damage could have been done? What good or bad would have come out of that, out of the results? <clears throat> so this is one of those times. And I got to talk fast so that I can go. But I'm just sharing this uh, this, this, this thing because pretty important, uh, memorable time for me in my travels. Um, WrestleMania is in New Orleans. I'm going to DDP's birthday bash at this club somewhere. And uh, I have been drinking that night. Um, as I remember it, you know, I, I go into the club and Dan Masters was with me and he was drinking and we split up right when we got into the club. I forgot that Dan was even with me later on, but um, I'm by myself and I'm having a good time. I saw DDP, met his beautiful daughter for the first time. Boom, 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 bunch of stuff. And uh, here's Scott Norton. He bounces at the bar. Well, I never met Scott before. So <clears throat> I'm... Uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm talking to Scott, shook his head, nice to meet you. Yeah, dude, you were in New Japan when I was in all Japan. That's cool, man, always respected you, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. <clears throat> He's being cool. Like, yeah, man, I remember, yeah, I know your friends with so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Crazy we haven't met in all these years. Um, all of a sudden, his wife, for some reason, starts being the biggest c to me. I have no idea why, and I'm using that word correctly here, because she goes, um, <laughs> she interrupts what uh, me and Scott are talking about to say, how's your wife? Did she die yet? Whoa. I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, did your wife die yet? And uh, I'm like, I'm like, no. And, and, and it's just like, oh, I thought, okay, cause, oh. And, and I, don't, I have no idea why, you know, and I'm looking at him and I'm like so confused. And then, um, man, I, I'm, I'm talking to him and, and while my hand is, uh, is I using my hands while I'm talking, I guess, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know where it came, whatever, but my hand bumped her shoulder and she took that as an excuse uh, to defend herself as if she was assaulted. So she started going like this and like pushing me and hitting me. 
I grab this bitch's wrist and I just turn it to the outside, a la Krav Maga, which twists her and brings her down to a submissive um, fold, shall we say. And I'm, and then all of a sudden, uh, Scott starts screaming at her, whatever her name is, I don't know, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. And he grabbed her and said, come with me. And they, and they left. I don't know what her name is. I don't yeah. think it's, well, you know, like I said, you're right. what, I her, what I call her. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what happened. Went along with my night. Next day at at WrestleCon, uh, I'm at my table signing with fans. And uh, Norton, Norton uh, uh, from from far away, goes, uh, goes, Rob, you and me ain't finished yet. And I said, anytime, Scott, I'm right here. Uh, He comes up to me. And he goes, let's take a walk. We got to talk. Let's go. Went over there and he says, that's fucked up what what happened last night. I said, I agree. That's fucked up what your wife did. And he said, my wife, she said, you were being an asshole. I said, when? When the fuck was I being? When did I even see her? The fuck are you talking about? And he said, she said that you were being an asshole. And she said your friend was being an asshole. Now, I had forgotten that I was with Dan Masters. And I was like, who? I don't even know who the fuck you're talking about. Anyway, trying to think of how this conversation ended. There wasn't much more to it than that. He was like, we're not done with this. I said, hey, I'm right here. Whatever, dude. And I shook his hand. Stuck my hand out, shook his hand. Whatever. Yeah. Let him know. Let him know. I got no problem. He walked away. The next year, when comic WrestleCon and WrestleMania were in Dallas, right? Yes, because this was part of because <laughs> this was part of a crazy weekend. So I forgot this just happened to be on that weekend too. He he comes up to me again at WrestleCon. It says, "Hey, we got you know." I'm paraphrasing. We got some unfinished business to do. I said, well, fucking let's do it. You know, I went over and we're, and, and it's like face to face and we're talking and he's being aggressive. If I was aggressive as him, if I had matched his aggression, no question about it, it would have been physical. I could have considered myself under attack just by how close that motherfucker was to my face. And I could tell he's used to being a bully. He's used to people being afraid of him. And obvious, well, I, I shouldn't say obviously, but let's just say I'm not afraid of him. It didn't seem like fighting was the right thing to do. Um, it seemed like he was being a good husband sticking up for his wife and believing her. So I, 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 I thought about that, but at the same time, dude, what do you want to do about this? And I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, the, the, the second year in Dallas, we're, we're both out by ourselves. I don't know if anybody saw us, you know, but we're talking and it got pretty aggressive. Uh, he's saying uh, this about, she said that your wife was being a dick earlier. I mean, she's saying, sorry, my wife is saying that your friend was being a dick earlier. And I said, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. What friend, dude? And he said, she said you were there with a friend. I said, who? And he, he took his sunglasses and he put them up on top of his head. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's that mean? Are you, 
are you trying to intimidate me or you just want me to know like now you're serious? What's that mean, Scott? Put his glasses on top of his head. I kept mine right where they fucking were and looked at him. And he says, uh, um, I said, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I have no idea why your wife started acting the way that she did. And, uh, and he says, um, he says, look, all of a sudden when he, when he saw that I'm not backing down and I don't give a fuck that you just took your glasses off. Yeah. I mean, he's in my face like this. He starts talking crazy. He says, look, he goes, ask Bubba about me. Ask Bubba Dudley about me. I said, why the fuck would I ask Bubba Dudley about you? <laughs> he goes, no, no, you're right. You don't have to ask Bubba about me, but you should ask him about me. I go, Scott, why the fuck should I ask Bubba about you? You're right here. I don't, you're sounding fucking crazy to me. That's exactly what I told him. Uh-huh. How did this one end? Uh I think he said to ask someone else about him, too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, what in the fuck are you talking about? I don't know how it ended exactly. We walked off. I shook his hand for the last time. Yeah, I'm not going to shake his hand a third time. Right. I shook his hand twice when that motherfucker came up. And, and Scott, if you're watching this, next time I see you, you can extend your hand or I don't give a fuck. But... I respected him enough to shake his hand twice because, like I said, he's being a good husband, sticking up for his wife. I still have no idea what the fuck happened. But after both times afterwards, you know, my, my feelings were in such a way <laughs> I had to question, was I too passive there? I mean, should I just fucking clock this motherfucker? Thinking that because people are afraid of him because back in the fucking 80s, people didn't know how to fight. So big guys could trample everybody. That was before MMA. And besides, that has nothing to do with me. And what is he in his 70s? Anyway, all these factors together still made me think if I wasn't passive, if I had just even matched his aggression. If I would have taken my shades off when he took his off, dude, we probably would have went at it. And although, honestly, of course, I don't know what would have happened, in my mind, some serious damage would have happened because that's not someone that just needs a smack in the face. That's not just a music guy that needs a smack to get woken up and straightened up. That's a guy that thinks that everybody else should bow down to him because he takes shits that are 150 pounds. Well, that's half of him. What's that say? <laughs> so I did the right thing by being passive. And I haven't even talked about this. And this was just a couple of years ago. It's current. People don't know. I told Bubba. I went right up to Bubba and I repeated the entire conversation <laughs> and it was in front of people and it was at, it was at WrestleMania. And I was, I, I did it to be funny, 
So I was, I, and, and I remembered the whole conversation that just happened. I went up to him and I'm like, dude, she said you were being a dick. No, when? I didn't even see you before. She said your friend was being a dick. Who? What friend? I don't know who you're talking about. Dude, ask Bubba about me. Dude, ask Bubba. Why would I do that? No, you're right. You don't have to ask Bubba, but you should ask Bubba. Why would I ask Bubba? You're right here. I was doing that to Bubba and I was like being really physical. And I just thought it was funny to go up to him. I hadn't seen him in like two years i might be going up to him and just start doing that and he started like looking around and shit you know because it was like um i think it was at the hall of fame i think and everyone was getting ready to go and uh he said he said rob i thought you were about to hit me he said i don't know what happened i thought we were to fight <laughs> and i was like oh i'm just being funny this isn't funny and he was just like oh my god rob like what the fuck what are you doing <laughs> But anyway, looking back at it, you know, I'm glad that I was passive. And if he came up and wanted to shake my hand, I'd shake his hand, you know. Um, if he wanted to fight, I would definitely fight. If he feels like uh, he doesn't like me calling his wife, she was a total <laughs> <clears throat> And we can handle that, however. But being the passive guy that I am, I wanted to share this story with you because I think everybody can relate to it where sometimes they're like... Am I eating too much shit? Like, am I letting them get with too much away? Should I be standing up for myself more? Am I, you know, and, and the thing is, just imagine the, the consequences on if you would have went the other way. And imagine the most extreme consequences. And think about it. Like, if that would have been less than positive, not productive, then um, use that to help to help you feel good about your decision. Because when I say I had damage on my mind, when I think about taking down someone that thinks they're a giant and thinks they're invincible, I feel I feel like it takes a lot of injury, injuring, injuring in order to convince that person, you know? So they don't think you just got lucky. They need, they need to be disassembled, disassembled. So yeah. anyway, Let's not talk about that because we are passive. And I know that a lot of people do like Scott that know him, and I don't know him. And at this point, I certainly don't want to know his wife. But uh, having said that, um, I chose to be passive, and the outcome was everyone's still here and healthy. That's great. <laughs> Rob, and you mentioned it like uh, keeping your composure like that and also factoring like what his – mindset is going through is like hey he's just sticking up for his wife he's being a good husband and stuff like that and like you're just keeping your sunglasses on it's like it reminds me of the show i watched justified it's called with uh it's an elmore leonard book guy from detroit actually i love it's, elmore uh, leonard dude he's yeah. the best dude yes. oh my god okay we're gonna be talking about him again because he's <laughs> of all time yeah so he wrote this uh, character raylan givens who's like a u.s marshal and, you know, there's a television show about it and stuff like that. But he gets into a lot of conflicts, like in a lot of these, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one things. And how does he handle it? He keeps his cool. And, like, he, like there's this one situation at a bar where, like, this guy's being a total dick. He comes over with two pictures of bar and, like, just gives him, like, lays it out for him. Like, hey, have a good night, basically, thing. Or he gives him an ultimatum for it. You know, or shit's going to go down otherwise. Something like that. Right, right, yeah. Like yeah. Billy Jack. Like Billy so, Jack. Keep it cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, to to have that kind of it's just it's super cool uh, dealing with guys like that. You know, obviously, I haven't gotten into a lot of conflicts to that situation, but there gets to that point where you're like, 
what point is the threshold where I got to stick up for myself, where I got to say something in in regards to like this guy's or person's going a little bit too far. Everyone's threshold is different too. mm -hmm. Yes. And so, uh, but to see like somebody like that, who's used to intimidating and scaring somebody and, you know, having them back away, be like, okay, man, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It definitely, you you have to keep the perspective of that all and you handle it very well. Well, he went back in the way. I don't, I don't remember right. how he ended. It was something like both times I shook his hand. It was like, whatever, Scott. All right. Obviously, there's a fucking misunderstanding here. Right. It was that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, dude, how about uh, last week we talked about karma? Did that, that happen to come across and affect your week at all? Well, yeah. It's like just factoring in with the ongoing situation I told you about, too. It's like I really kept that in a lot of perspective about like and just certain life situations where it's just like you think about like oh man i wish something like this would happen or you know why why is this person benefiting from it or like anything like that and it's just to keep that all in the back of your mind as the week goes on and stuff like that it definitely helped me like think about that and just know it's like the universe works itself out and that's how it is you know and it's like there's only a certain amount that i myself can control and how i handle that moving forward goes against either my values or what I feel about, like, if I were to go outside of that and try to be vindictive or try to be mean or it's, it creates that negativity, that negativity out there. So, uh, it's very helpful. It's, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was about trusting karma instead of feeling like you got to get everybody back because they hurt you. Right. Karma will take care of both of you. Put good energy out there and have a good life. Absolutely. Damn, Rob, we are going to talk about Owen Leonard. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. So if you're listening to this on Friday on the Premier Streaming Network, you can still catch us on the Premier Streaming Network again Saturday doing a live show uh, at StarCast. So yes. it's going to be a live Q&A. We're going to keep it nice and tight. We're in uh, Chicago. In Chicago, baby. In and, Chicago. hey, Rob will have stickers. I'm going to bring him stickers. Meet Rob. Uh, he's going to be there available for signings and everything like that. And uh, I'll be mingling around. So uh, Katie will not be FYI. She's with me a lot, but she is busy doing a family thing. So, Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to ask if she was going to be there too. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, uh, not this time. Shucks. Well, but yeah, guys, you can see us there. Um, and there will be a lot of different other stuff going on. My brother Mark is hosting a show with Jake Roberts. And it'll be fun, fun weekend. So looking forward to it. Um, anything else I wanted to, Rob? Is there anything you got your Battle Creek show coming up? But that's down later on in the month. Uh, yeah, someone said it was five weeks away yesterday. So going by that report, it's a minute away. Yeah, yeah. but this weekend we're in Chicago, and uh, we'll talk next week. Talk next week, yeah, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, hey, guys. Tonight, hey, we'll- Cauliflower Alley Club. I'm gonna go check it out uh, here in Vegas. Look it up if you're interested and. In, want to know what, what what it's about it's a cool organization we talked about it a little bit last episode too so check that out guys yeah. but okay guys hey Thanks, dude. you're welcome we'll see you guys next week here on one of a kind rbd great i was waiting for some kind of sign some kind of indication i was wasting my time